today we'll be discussing this very interesting case study of financial independence with Ali. And we have Ben in to join us for today's show. Hi, everyone. Ben, we're going to have a quick debate on Christopher, who is actually a finance YouTuber. He's done a CNA interview whereby he shared his perspective for financial independence. And what happened is that a lot of people gave negative comments to Christopher, who I think has done a fantastic job in explaining this whole concept of FIRE. So for today's show, we have five key debate points. And in, in any case, when you follow along, do leave your comments, whether you agree with Ben or agree with my side. I'll let Ben choose one side and I'll try to hopefully give a balancing point for the other. So the five points that we'll be debating today are, firstly, if you reach financial independence at 35, which is what Christopher is aiming towards, would you retire or not? Because Christopher right now, he's single, he's staying with parents, he's saving quite a lot of money, about 60% of his income. And quite clearly, he's on track to building that goal, whether it's 35, he reached there, or 40. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time. The second part of debate is, which kind of financial independence do you want? I'll be asking Ben to pick a side, and I'll also give certain alternatives. Christopher, in that interview, has shared that he's looking for barista fire. So hopefully, we can explain a bit more on that. The third is also a point on whether financial independence with Ali is for everybody or not. So Chris has said it's not. So maybe Ben will also uh, pick one side and debate on it. And the fourth point is for an investment rate of return, what is needed to reach financial independence? Because if you can invest and get 100% rate of return, you get to financial independence in no time. But that's not actually how things work. But Christopher in the interview has not shared anything of real return. Maybe we can expand on that topic and have a debate. And last but not least, I'd like to address for everybody listening in is, is $1 million too much or not? And if it is, what is the right number that we both would like to pick in order to start on this financial independence journey? So without further ado, let's get on the first point for today, Ben. If you were to reach financial independence like Christopher at the age of 35, will you retire or not? Yeah, so I think the first question to um, define is how do you define the word retire? So if by retire, you mean doing nothing, sitting on the beach, then of course not, right? So for me, I would still do some form of side hustle, maybe freelance. But so if I were to reach financial independence by 35, I would think I would probably work a less demanding job. Alternatively, I could do like freelance or side hustles to actually help to supplement my income. So so my question is, if you were to really get a right amount, you would quit your job straight away? I don't think it will be a decision where you actually quit straight away. But I think if you find that there is something that demands a lot of your time, then maybe that's something that you can consider. And if you feel that that side venture actually can generate sufficient income to actually cover that portion of your day job, then maybe that's where you draw the line. So within your circle of friends or colleagues, Surely there's someone who is financially independent already, right? Then how come they are still working? Actually, not really for me. <laughs> because for me, um, my circle of friends, a lot of them are actually beginning to get married, settle mm. down, start families. When you actually start a family, it's a little bit harder to pursue FI. Not impossible, but it's uh -huh. still harder. So for me, I would say I'm in a more privileged position where I'm actually single and I don't have a family, so it's a bit easier for me to say this kind of thing. That, oh, I want to pursue fire by 35 kind of thing, right? What if you want to settle down, get married, you spend 50000 on wedding, then 100000 on renovation? Would that happen or not in your foreseeable future? Um, of course, I'm not ruling out any possibility. 
that could happen. But I don't I don't foresee that happening because for me I value freedom more than anything uh -huh. else. Because once you have a family, you start having a lot of responsibilities. So for me, I don't really want to let that tie me down. Ah, maybe let me uh, share my point of view. I think I will not you know, retire even if I have that right level of finance, right? that, that right level of wealth already. Uh, I may be close to that. I don't know. At this age of 38, I'm also thinking because I have kids. So I'm very worried about what they see daddy as. Am I really mm. relaxing at the beach and all? Or really doing side hustles that that really is not too meaningful. So from my perspective, uh, even if in a couple of years, I really have more than enough, I might still be continuously working at a high pace. Maybe when 50, they already slow down. But my perspective is not really to lie on the beach and you know, have so much and are really relaxed in life. I want to show work ethic also to kids. If I'm financially independent, I probably will not choose the RE side, the retire early side. Yeah, it's actually to set a good example for your kids and make them understand that good things actually don't come that easy. Yeah, correct. So it's like if, if I'm retired, the pace is also different. So I don't know if that is true or not, but I have that lingering fear. So, so the RE part is not what I pursue. I pursue the FI part. Yeah, yeah, I think the FI part is something that everyone should pursue. Mm. And with regards to the RE part, I think that's up to your own personal situation, mm. whether you want to go for it or not. Mm. Then that leads to the second point that we should debate on is, you know, there are so many kinds of financial dependence. There's barista fire, there's lean fire, there's fat fire. Christopher has shared that he's looking for a barista fire, which means that if you work, you do like a side hustle. The barista is to symbolize a side hustle. Which means if yeah. you have a million dollars, you get 3% passive income, 30,000. Uh, that is $2,500 a month. Then what you do is a side hustle like barista job and get 500 extra income to supplement a 3,000 expense lifestyle. Mm. So Ben, what, what are your thoughts? Which financial dependence would you choose of the three and why? Before I start, maybe let me just explain what are the three different types of mm. fire. The first one is lean fire. So lean fire actually... Is basically having enough to cover your basic needs. And the next type of fire on the other extreme is actually fat fire, where you actually get to live a very luxurious lifestyle. You probably have like six-figure income every year. So you can live like travel to exotic holiday destinations, do whatever you want. And I feel that I probably lie somewhere in the middle, which is barista fire. So barista fire is basically having enough income from your investment portfolio so that you don't have to work a day job anymore. So that means that in order to cover your living expenses, maybe you take on a slightly less demanding job, such as a barista, or it doesn't even have to be a barista, but it can be a job that you actually enjoy. It could be like a freelance role where you actually enjoy to help it, to actually cover your daily expenses. So, so you are also sounds like you're also leaning towards barista fire. And if it is, which side hustle do you think it's it's a possibility in your your immediate future if you reach FI? I feel that probably this particular side hustle which I'm doing now, which is YouTube. <laughs> yeah. And another possibility is probably writing content articles for different companies which is something that I'm also currently doing. So I think these two are the near-term possibilities that I foresee. Of course, there could be more in the future, but that's yet to be explored. 
I, I think this part uh sounds like you know this author financial samurai. Have you have you seen his article before? Yes, I think Dogen. it's a US he's a US blogger, right? Yes, correct. So he actually got some big payout from his corporate world. Long story short. So he's deriving some passive income from his blog, which is you know widely read across the world. I think if you have seen it, I've seen it. Many people across the world have seen it. And the passive income from that easily is a thousand dollars, I do believe. Then for, for my own, right, I'm I'm leaning more towards if I were to pick the three, I guess I'll rule out lean fire. Because lean fire is really a, a stage whereby you're super frugal, you kind of aim for the minimum, very minimalistic approach, correct? If I interpret it correctly. Yes, yes, correct. Correct, which means uh probably I'll need to sell the house, uh, go for something simpler and stuff. Uh, and at this stage, I think I won't be going lean fire. I I will also be going to a barista fire if I can reach fat fire, I think that'll be pretty cool. So depends on the moves. This market downturn, maybe there's there's something that we can do to build our wealth. Yeah, yeah. Because the problem about lean fire and fat fire is that actually you're not really doing anything on a daily basis. So you don't really have a routine. I feel that you're going to feel a sense of lack of purpose and lack of fulfillment if you're going to do nothing all day and just enjoy yourself. I think you can do volunteer work. Right? So some people devote their times for kids, I don't know, or do volunteer work. Uh, those those could still occupy and give certain purpose in life. What do you think? Yeah, I think volunteer work is actually very good and actually it's something that I have been wanting to hmm. do, but I have been putting it off for quite a while. So yeah, I probably need that added accountability there. <laughs> so re- regarding this fire, this financial independence retire early, uh, the third point that we should debate on is, is it really for everybody? And do you give some context to it? Chris has shared that he believes it's not for everybody. But what are your thoughts, Ben? Should, do you think it's for everybody or do you think it's not? Yeah, I share Chris' sentiment. I believe that it's not for everyone because you need a lot of discipline mm. and commitment in order to reach that stage. And once you actually reach that stage, you actually got to be very mindful of your expenses. You actually got to calculate properly with regards to your finances about whether it's sufficient or not to last you for the rest of your life. Which means you In, need to practice a lot of delayed gratification, save a lot, invest for the future. Yeah, yeah. And especially if you are pursuing lean fire or fat fire, where if you're not going to derive any income from outside sources, I think that's going to be extra important. So so you believe it's not for everybody also? That some people, yes, it's okay for some people to not uh, do, not be retired early you, you believe so yes i mean there are some people who actually enjoy their nine to five jobs right so i mean by all means just continue doing that right there's no i, mean, I think no a lot of people disagree <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like speaking of nine to five we only have criticism of, of that all the youtube advertisements are all oh you can leave your nine to five job they, they pay nine to five such a, a terrible place to be in i mean there is there are both sides of the coin it depends on the work culture mm your colleagues, and a lot of other factors. So I feel that if you are very satisfied with your 9 to 5, I mean, just why not just continue working on 9 to 5? And you can also do something outside of your 9 to 5, like build something on the side. So it, it's it, not... Yeah. yeah, I suddenly have a question. Don't you aspire to climb higher in your corporate work, like become senior management? Don't you want to try to aim for that rather than, uh, than retire early? Yeah, for me, I actually don't because I'm quite I'm quite a simple guy actually. <laughs> so I don't have I don't have like very lofty aspirations. Like 
I think in the past, the older generations used to have all these lofty aspirations that, oh, they have to climb the corporate ladder, mm. become senior management by this age, by their age. But for me, I'm sort of contented with my lot. I think it's quite rare for a young person to be saying this. <laughs> <laughs> then, then my point of view is, whether fire is for everybody. Yes, I do agree. Retire early is really a individual preference because you need to pay a price. You need to really save mm. up very hard. You need to uh, look very long-term in terms of your financial decision-making. That means delayed yeah. gratification, correct? So the RE part is not for everybody. I, I do agree on that. I can't dispute on that. Uh, probably the FI part, I, I do believe everybody should, should get to FI. Whether your FI number is small or big. In any case, FI, financial dependence, means 25 times of your annual expenses. If we want to avoid being sandwich generation, like to our parents, you know, some, some, some stories have shared that they have parents who rely on their income, children rely on income, uh, then that situation is not too good. So I do believe everybody should reach a financial independence whereby they don't need to rely on their next generation to support them. Be, be solely dependent on your own past savings. I think that's... That should be an aim for everybody. La. So the FI part, yes, is for everybody, but RE part, I do agree, uh, it's not for everybody. Some people do like corporate. They enjoy the, the, the process of learning and building in the corporate world and they have that satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, being in a corporate world has its advantages. You don't get, you get to earn a steady paycheck and you don't have to worry about when's your next paycheck coming in. But Whereas FI you means you, you already no need that paycheck. Right? So the, the corporate climb is really a personal sense of motivation, right? I guess certain personalities are more suitable for that. Mm. Because also, you, you see, right, like top athletes, like uh, Ronaldo, mm. someone uh, you like also, they, yeah. they certainly can retire already. But why are they still playing football? Why are they still on the pitch? Why are they still working themselves hard to improve every day? So the motivation is very different for money already. Yeah, so the motivation is more intrinsic motivation rather than mm. extrinsic. It's a feeling of wanting to do better mm. every single day. Mm. Yeah. Which so I feel is something the RE that part is not, not, not their focus, right? Someone who is intrinsically motivated. The RE part is not going to appeal to them too much. Yes, yes, I would think so. Yeah, Because they won't, they won't really want to retire and just relax. Mm. They want mm. to constantly improve themselves and grow and develop in whatever niche they are in. To get to retirement, we do need to always invest. We would like to introduce to you today's sponsor, who is Weibo. Weibo is a platform that allows you to trade US stocks and Hong Kong stocks for $0 in commissions. And right now, if you are a new account sign up, you can actually stand to get $100 of Google shares. So if you are keen, look for this QR code or check out the links below to sign up today. And the fourth point that we should really debate on uh, is what kind of investment rate of return do you need to derive to get to financial independence retire early? Now, this is something that Chris hasn't shared in his podcast with CNA. So I'm also curious to find out, or maybe let's put a number to things, uh, Ben. Do you think 5% for investment rate of return is too low or do you think it's okay? And why do you think so? Yeah, so I think it's also a balance of dividend versus growth. So I would think if you're aiming for a 5% yield, dividend yield, hmm. I think that is, that is sufficient. In the case of Chris, because it's only him and his partner, right? That is probably sufficient. Hey, but when we, when we talk about 5% real return, it should consist of dividend yield plus. 
capital appreciation or total portfolio return to build towards the right level for financial investment. Do you think 5% is too low for someone who is looking to invest, like someone listening in, never invested before? And they ask you, what kind of things should we expect in terms of our investment performance? What number do you think it's, it's right? Um, yeah, I would think 5% might be a little too low if you were to talk about long-term hmm. investing. Because on the average, the S&P 500 gives about 9% analyzed returns a year. Mm, but that's, after inf- yeah. that's like in the recent 10 years. Right? If you look longer-term history or before 2012, if you sample 2002 to 2012, I think the real return is 5 to 7% only instead of 9 to 10%. Yeah, yeah. I think, if, I think if I'm not wrong, I read somewhere that after adjusting for inflation for the past 30 years, it has returned about like 7% or something. Yeah. So I feel that maybe 5% is maybe undercutting it a little bit. Mm. But I think it's good to be a little conservative in terms of your returns because you don't want to overestimate and have a shortfall when it comes to actually retiring. Hey, but at this point of view, uh, you know, there are a lot of reports who suggested that retail investors actually do way lesser than the index because they make bad decisions, correct? Uh, market yeah, goes yeah. down, they start selling. Market goes up, they buy yeah. a lot, correct? So even if the index returns, say, 7%, don't, don't you feel that they might, at, at the end, net, net, not get 7% still? So 5% is still okay? Yeah, then, then you might as well just invest in the index. if Like, if you realize that your past investment returns hasn't really been beating the index. Yeah, I think why not just invest in the index? And that's be true. Done with it. But but they could still yeah. sell the you know, markets are down, they start start to panic sell. Whether you buy the index or you buy stocks, you could still make such mistakes, right? That would impact getting even seven percent. That's why I feel that dividend stocks is actually um more suitable for such investors. Because mm-hmm. one, you actually receive a stable dividend and you don't have to draw down on your capital and two it also helps in terms of your emotions you wouldn't be panic selling your stocks because you're still receiving dividends and that sort of provides a little bit of a comfort blanket for you so Hmm. i feel that five percent is doable if you are investing in dividend stocks especially in singapore's context the singapore market there's a lot of dividend stocks that are like 5% and, and above. So mm, Any name that comes to your mind? Maybe yeah, I think the REITs, I think the maple REITs, tree okay. REITs are pretty good. Okay. Yeah, those REITs with large sponsors, of course, don't go uh. for REITs with, with have like shady sponsors <laughs> that you probably have never oh, heard we, of. We before. better don't name names. <laughs> that's liability. But yes, uh, maple tree is a bigger sponsor. That's, that's factual. That's factual. In any case, anything mentioned here is not investment advice. Uh. Uh, but it's true, yeah. I do agree. REITs, uh, they, they can give you a very stable dividend yield and they're not going to swing that much in terms of performance and hopefully it saves you from uh, adverse you know, choices in terms of how you approach your own investing. But my take is 5% is actually uh, a number that I use quite often in terms of projecting for retirement. And a simple reason is this. Because if we say 7%, which is what we agree on that you know, yeah. a broad index for equities would achieve. But in terms yeah. of a whole retirement portfolio, there should be some fixed income also, some very safe and liquid things that you can take out anytime. So maybe as a mixture, 7% in total might be a bit too optimistic. If you project 5%, you may get there a bit better. That's that's my perspective on things. What do you think? Yes, um, I, I feel that way as well because... 
this we have to remember that this seven percent that you get mm. from a broad-based index funds is actually not totally paid out to you. So mm. the dividend is at most maybe one to two percent. So it's not a lot. In in the interviews, I think Chris has shared a few ETFs. Uh, VOO for one that tracks the S and P five hundred. So yeah, it's definitely possible to get broad-based investing through ETFs. And uh, whether you you know, decide five percent is good enough. Or not leave your leave your thoughts in the comment sections. But I think five percent is okay. I think Ben, you are suggesting probably it's a bit too conservative. But let's move on to the fifth a point that we should really debate on. That has drawn a lot of criticism for Chris. You know, he's mentioned that he's aiming for one million at age of thirty five. And if we were to see some of the negative comments, just to put it in the nicer terms, some mentioned that one million if you live off for forty five years, that is only like a thousand eight hundred plus per month. And that to me just showed that the lack of financial literacy is very widespread. Like, because you're not going to put 100000 under your mattress, deriving zero real return. Even if you put in Singapore Savings Bond, it's going to give you 2% already right now. Mm-hmm. So that really shows a very lack of uh, financial awareness. But my, my main question uh, that we should debate on is, if 1 million is uncomfortable for many, and we use a lower number, do you think 800000 is enough for anyone to retire in Singapore? Do you do you think that is enough? Yes or no? You you pick one side. Personally, I would feel yes, if you don't have children. So even as ah. a couple, I think I think even as a couple, I think eight hundred k is actually quite comfortable. You can get about maybe forty k a year as on a five percent dividend. So I think for a couple that more than enough. If you actually don't go for those luxury items and hmm. don't just keep to just keep to a budget of maybe two to three thousand a month. I think that's that's quite doable. Oh, okay. If we if we move the goalpost a bit to something more uncomfortable, five hundred thousand. Do you think is enough for anyone to retire? Is that number? I getting think it also depends low? on your spending needs. Uh-huh. But I feel that five hundred thousand might be cutting it close if you are a couple. Mm. Probably if you are single, I would think that might be cutting a little too close. You might have to maybe take on a little bit of side jobs like barista jobs and mm. freelance roles to actually cover part of your expenses. Yep. So, so, so it sounds like five to 800,000 is a minimum. 500 sounds like too low. 800, you definitely think it's okay already. Yes, yes. So I would think the sweet spot is in between in between five to 800. Mm. So need not be a million. Okay, so anybody listening in, right? Uh, whether you feel comfortable with 1 million or not, sometimes depends on how far you are from that number. Uh, that aside, sounds like five to 800,000 is a number that Ben is suggesting. I would like to think that uh, I, I agree with that quite a bit also. 500,000 is really on the low side. You might need to do reverse mortgage of your house to get out more income. Uh, hopefully you have CPF life, but then you cannot retire early because CPF life pays out at 65. If you have mm. if you are near 65, you have 500,000 plus CPF life, then maybe that's okay because CPF life is uh, proven to take care of at least basic needs. Uh, but if you want to look at fire financially must retire 500,000, then the next option is to migrate, right? Like something along the lines, go to Malaysia or Thailand, maybe Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> so so for for you know uh, for anyone that is listening to this podcast, let us know so your questions on financial independence whether. You, you are aiming for a particular number. I think all in all, Chris has shared a lot of methods in his own discussion with CNA. And I actually appreciate that he sets a number, 1 million, 
at age of 35, you know, that's good goal setting. You make it defined. You have actionable steps. And the best part is you are, you, you share with people your number, which makes you a lot more accountable to getting there. So that's something I'd like to comment, Chris. And that's something that I'd like to encourage everybody who is listening to here, as well as to that podcast, on what you need to do. Put a number for yourself, put a deadline for yourself and work towards it. Save up month by month and get towards there. Also, any think, last words, Ben? Yeah. Yeah, I think for added accountability, maybe you could share what's your financial goals in public mm. as well. So that gives you the additional push and drive that you need to actually work towards your goal. Mm. Mm. So, you know, we, we are so happy to show our holidays, show our new house, your new car. Same thing. If you have a targeted passive income that you want to aim towards, uh, be vocal about it. Maybe <laughs> some are too shy, some are too introverted, don't put on Facebook. At least tell your own family members. I think that's that's a, something that we both agree on. Yeah, because the problem with keeping it to yourself is that if you don't achieve it all, you tell you will tell yourself it's okay. Like mm. your mind will constantly play its own tricks on you. So you remove yourself from blame, correct? If you if you fail yeah, to so achieve you, you'll something, you will constantly important. come up with excuses on why you are not achieving that goal. Mm. So I think it's best to, I mean, even if you don't share it on social media, at least share it on somewhere that's to someone that can keep you accountable. And I think this whole journey of financial events with Alia, it's a journey, which means you're not going to get there next mm. year, correct? Mm. So it could be five years, it could be 10 years. You need to see yourself on this incremental step there. You know, if not, you'll be trying to paint pictures in, in thin air, you're not going to reach there. You need to see progressively you're reaching that direction. And then along the way, that number can change, but don't worry too much about it. You need to see progress. I think that's, that's something I came to realize also. Another thing is also to enjoy the journey. Don't hmm. make sure to have enough rest and enough breaks in between. So don't don't push yourself too hard as well, uh. such that you actually neglect your health. And also uh, miss out on all the experiences. Because uh, when you're young, you have friends who can climb mountain. When we are 50, I think not that easy, correct? So hopefully you've enjoyed this whole podcast. As always, uh, smash the subscribe, smash the like, and we'll see you in the next one.